And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Jared Keene earned his Ph.D. in creative writing at Florida State University. Dr. Keene is an assistant professor in the Department of English at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas, where he teaches American literature and graphic novel. He has written numerous other books and guides on various topics, including a travel guide, a rock band biography, and edited short fiction anthologies, including Las Vegas Noir and Dead Neon, the tales of near-future Las Vegas. Jarrett, welcome to the program. Thank you. So wonderful to be here. How did you get involved in creative writing? Well, um, I just found myself drawn to the enterprise of creating inventive, imaginative stories. I grew up, you know, in the 70s and 80s. There wasn't a lot of stimulation. There wasn't uh, a lot to go on except for, you know, TV, comics. And I just, uh, I don't know, I I just took to it. And I found a way to get a degree in writing my dreams down on paper and putting it in a a Word document and sharing it with uh, others, with classmates initially, with my professors. But then I discovered that, uh, you know, there was such a thing as the campus newspaper. I could write, you know, album reviews. I could write uh, film reviews. I could do all kinds of things to make money with my writing. And so that put me on a, uh, what what can I say, just a creative path. And uh, I'm very grateful for it. There is a phrase in writing called dystopian. Dystopian. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah. It means, uh, well, according to my definition, it's you know entropy, watching things fall apart, and uh, having fun with it. You know, entropy can be fun if uh, if you let it, uh, you know, guide your imagination. And I just find myself uh, really drawn to these kinds of stories where uh, civilization uh, is either you know destroyed or hanging by a thread. And you watch characters kind of deal and struggle through these uh, imaginative scenarios. I love uh, books like, for example, uh, Stephen King's The Stand. I like watching uh, the world collapse, and then I love witnessing the characters struggle to piece it back together. Tell us about your latest book, Hammer of the Dogs. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, an incredible story of teenagers in a ruined Las Vegas Uh, killing each other with drones by remote control. Um, The valley is carved up by two warlords. One is uh, housed in the basement of the Luxor, you know, the the Black Pyramid there on the strip with the uh, sky beam, that that light that shoots up into the... uh, Really, the right. you know the the uh, atmosphere, and then the other warlord has control of City Center, uh, which is a a posh resort, and so they're battling each other. And Lash finds herself um, engaged in a uh, you know a conflict she doesn't quite understand until she does, and then she finds a reason to uh, put both of them uh, in their place, so to speak. How realistic is it? What do you think? Well, um, all of the uh, technology, all of the weapons that uh, are depicted in the novel are taken from, well, real life. For um, many years, I worked as a corporate communicator in the, uh, for the biggest resort company uh, in the world, uh, MGM Resorts, and I used my employee badge to, you know, uh, bust into these uh, drone tech conventions at places like, you know, Mandalay Bay, uh, Caesar's Palace, and I was just awestruck and deeply um, disturbed by the technology that was available even just 10 years ago. It's uh, unbelievable. All the technology 
in the book is taken from the catalogs and brochures that I um, um, took from the drone tech conventions, everything from the ornithopters or the bird UAVs to the insect drones to the snake bots to the sentient pistols. It's just uh, amazing to see all these weapons developed. And what was particularly interesting is the way there is this, I don't know how else to descri describe it, except it's like a um, a vast and orchestrated effort involving the tech sector, the military-industrial complex, mm -hmm. higher education, foreign governments. They're all building up the drone industry. Surveillance and control are really what these drones offer, the ability to... I don't know, erase someone instantly with the push of a button. It's just too intoxicating to ignore. And the technology is going to get better and better and better, Jared, isn't it? Oh, yes. And then with the advent of AI, the algorithms d determining who lives or dies, it's, uh, it's just too, <laughs> almost too much to contemplate. But that's what Lash, the hero of Hammer of the Dogs, is up against. And that's why she makes a decision to embrace this, these weapons, find a way to use them to, to fight back. Even though it's a novel, even though it's a novel, how realistic do you think it might be? Well, you can see now, I'm sure you've read the stories of the uh, drug cartels in Mexico using um, uh, drones that they purchased off Amazon and, you know, improvising explosive devices, and they're just basically bombing each other uh, right now. Um, this is something that, unfortunately, I can see uh, young people taking to it at some point, you know, finding a way to um, amplify the horror and the nightmare of, the, of remote control killing. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's happening. Are you scared about this kind of technology? I mean, would would you hope through your book, Hammer of the Gods, even though it's a novel, to convince people? Because what can we do about it? Well, uh, Lash offers an example, which is to not uh, run from it, not be afraid of it, but to you know take it on, to master it, to embrace it, to use it in a way that uh, you know ultimately can defend us because if we try to uh, take it out of our hands and allow the government to have uh, sole control over this technology, it's, I don't imagine it will end well. But I know there are, in fact, young people like Lash, the hero of my novel, the warrior hero, who will rise up and, um, you know, like in uh, the movie Terminator, they're going to, uh, they're, they're going to resist. And uh, I, can, I can easily see that happening. So that inspires me. That keeps me uh, sane. Absolutely. Now, did you have any inside information with the technology? How did you come up with these ideas? All of it, as I said, is, is pulled from these uh, catalogs and brochures. But however, I will say this. I've had many drone pilots in my classes here at UNLV. Um, I've, I've taught them works like uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey. I've taught them Shakespeare, and so they've told me a lot about what they deal with uh, day in and out at places like Creech Air Force Base, where the drone war is waged on a daily, hourly basis uh, here in, uh, just outside of Las Vegas. You know, these drones that you see, like you just mentioned on Amazon, they look like toys, but they're really pretty sophisticated, aren't they? Yes, and every year they become more sophisticated in every day uh, they find new ways people find new ways to use them in lethal fashion i mean what's what's amazing if you really think about it is that you know the the wright brothers didn't really invent air travel i mean they invented death from above uh, it's really the most devastating military tactic of um the 20th century you know it's how world war ii began and ended you know well, Pearl Harbor to 
to Hiroshima. And for the military, it's safer to send a drone instead of a pilot, isn't it? Absolutely, and probably uh, you know it's it's probably a even more fail safe it's it's a it's you know more accurate there's no emotional uh concerns you you know that the the program the algorithm the um you know the computer will get it done i don't want to give away too much of your book but uh it's kind of scary <laughs> <laughs> it scared me writing this book the only thing like i said that kept me grounded was the knowledge that I had a terrific uh, a warrior hero, Lash, who, um, you know, is, doesn't back down from a fight, uh, even though, even if she believes she's going to uh, be snuffed in a, you know, a, a conflict, she, she, she braves, she, she moves bravely forward. She, she takes on the bad guys and, uh, and spills their blood in a way that, uh, you know, fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and, Robert E. Howard's Conan the Barbarian. I mean, it, it, Lash is a pulp hero in the, in the old school style, Flash Gordon, Zorro, Buck Rogers. I wanted to create a character that, you know, faced impossible odds yet finds a way to, uh, you know, f- finds a way to be victorious. Does she have superpowers? No, but uh, she does. In the end, in the end, Lash is revealed to have a uh, a certain trick that. Uh, uh, a certain surgeon uh, installed in her uh, brain. Um, it's not, uh, I'm not going to reveal what it is, but it's something that uh, helps turn the tide of battle uh, in the uh, penultimate chapter. If you uh, have this turned into a movie, who would you want to play the part of Lash? <laughs> I don't know. There's so many great uh, actors. Um, the one thing that really stands out about Lash is her physicality. So, Whoever the actor would be, um, whether it's um, the actor that uh, stars in Wednesday Adams, for example, that actor would have to uh, do some push-ups and pull-ups and uh, basically, uh, you know, get fit enough to be able to conduct a serious, uh, you know, drone war in ruined Las Vegas. Get him from the Wrestling Federation or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Someone with serious upper body strength, let's just say. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, have you ever played with a drone? Yes, I have. And um, the sound of a uh, a quadcopter, you know, something you buy off of uh, the Amazon website, it's very unnerving. Uh, the way the, the the noise of it is, uh, I don't know, it's just upsetting. It it it, uh, it bothers me. But I have toyed around with them and and had fun with them. And of course, I have two teenage sons who. Uh, or uh, they love having little uh, drone battles in the in the backyard next to the pool, and so I've I've enjoyed uh, fooling around with them. However, um, I can't I can't get too uh, I don't want to go down that uh, I, I don't want it to become a serious hobby because otherwise uh, uh, I I feel like I will be uh, compromising um, not just the uh, my love of the hero Lash, but also you know I do think that books like Hammer of the Dogs serve as a warning, you know, be careful with this technology. It's, it's a Pandora's box that once it's opened, you can't really close it. Can it ever get to the point where the drones fly out of uh, control of the radio control that you're holding that just goes too far and then you just lose it? Oh, certainly. But, you know, what's uh, scary with uh, things like, um, I almost said uh, Skynet, but, you know, there are satellites now that allow a drone to basically... Um, you know, you can be controlled, wielded from, you know, anywhere on Earth and 
reaching any destination. And that to me is, uh, you know, the kind of a, a nightmare. The, the Starlink uh, stuff is really uh, frightening to examine. And I assume the military is using these extensively, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And uh, they're using them in ways that we're not even aware of. Um, you, you find out when you read um, stories uh, just on, you know, mainstream news stories, you find that drones are always uh, sur- surveying, always taking in information uh, whenever there's a, you know, a major event somewhere in the world. There's always like drone footage. It's scary to contemplate because it means you're being watched uh, wherever you are, you know, at any time of day or night. Very unsettling. But of course, that's sort of the fun of a, an adventure story like uh, Hammer of the Dogs. I wanted, to, I wanted the reader to be frightened, but also uh, taken on a thrill ride, you know, a roller coaster ride where you know that there's some bad technology afoot, but there's a hero there that's going to put it right. What is she? Oh, she's overlooking Las Vegas as well on the cover, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the cover is, of course, um, done in that uh, Frank Frazetta style, that pulp fantasy um, yeah. mode. And I wanted to kind of, I wanted the book to be a throwback in many ways to the adventure fantasy uh, stories that, you know, I enjoyed growing up in the 80s with movies like Empire Strikes Back, Conan the Barbarian, uh, Tron, um, all those great films that, um, you know, have stood the test of time and that people still love and adore today. You've got a uh, human versus robot competition at called the Magnus Bout. Tell us about that. <laughs> That's a nod to an old comic book I used to enjoy reading called Magnus Robot Fighter. And so the Magnus Bouts, you know, you always have to have a kind of gladiator uh, sequence in any great uh, adventure film. We've seen it in uh, everything from um, John Carter to, well, the movie Gladiator, Spartacus, etc. So I just wanted to, you know, give a nod there to some of the great pulp adventures uh, that came before Hammer of the Dogs. And so it needed a gladiator scene. And of course, when you have um, technology wielded by kids, uh, I think it's inevitable that uh, young people will find themselves at odds, you know, physically confronting robots and fighting them in a, you know, um, basically a, a death match. What do you think of the possibility of that where artificial intelligence becomes so amazing they literally take over things yes well uh you know growing up in the 80s there was a a movie called terminator that made a huge impression on me and a huge uh, you know major impression on people of my generation and so i don't know i i see us becoming more um at odds with uh growing technology here uh, at UNLV, of course, we're dealing, as most universities are, with the, the uh, chat GPT phenomenon, you know, computers writing our students' papers for them. Um, it's, uh, it can be a real problem. And uh, there's also things like cyber hacking. Um, uh, every university suffers these uh, suffers this misfortune, and I think that you know it's going to become an increasing problem. If you've uh, seen the recent headlines, uh, you know that MGM Resorts, Caesar's Palace have been uh, uh, hacked, and um, yep, they actually, right. yeah, they actually, Caesar's Palace actually paid the hackers, you know, the ransom uh, in the millions of tens of millions of dollars to uh, 
to uh, cease and desist the, the cyber attack. So I don't know. I see it becoming uh, increasingly problematic. AI will eventually, you know, be hacking on its own, and it's just uh, it seems like a problem that's uh, set to spiral. I was kind of foolish to pay the hackers. They'll just do it again. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm told by from the local papers here that it's uh, a group of uh, U.S. and British uh, hackers. But, you know, I'm not sure how they know that. Um, to me, it's something that uh, can be anonymous and you have no idea where the attack is coming from. So I find that very uh, that, that detail very interesting. What, what has been the reaction of your book from your students? Well, I, in many ways, I wrote it for them. I wanted to uh, show them how to write a book uh, during the course of a 15-week semester. Every week, I'd bring in a, a new chapter, you know, 2,000 to 3,000 words, and and show them that the you know the discipline and the uh, momentum that you need in order to uh, complete a novel. And um, I wrote it for them and in their honor. And what was really interesting is I inspired uh, many of my students to embark on their own novel writing um, adventure. And so I've had at least uh, four or five students uh, at the time that I was working on Hammer of the Dogs who completed their own books and are, you know, have published, self-published uh, some of them and others are circulating the, their manuscripts now in uh, in New York and in the, in the literary world trying to get a, a contract. So I find that to be very satisfying. It's, it's nice to be around young people because they're inspiring and they want to read uh, fun, dystopian uh, adventures, and I, I admire that. How realistic do you think your book is with what, what is happening in real life today? Well, uh, young people are, in fact, uh, killing each other remotely in places like uh, Ukraine, and I find that to be uh, very sad. And, um, you know, I can easily see that spreading across uh, the world. And so that's sort of the uh, the bittersweet, the, the tragic aspect of it. What's bittersweet is that I know that, you know, young people will find a way to rebel, to resist, and, um, you know, escape this nightmare. They just have to, like I say, embrace the technology and not run from it. Because if you run from it, you'll just be on the run forever. I, I, I take uh, the lesson of Terminator, the movie, very seriously. You know, you have to uh, rise up against the machines at some point. We're going to come back and uh, chat more on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie, along with Professor Jared Keene, we're talking about his book, Hammer of the Dogs. You've got several other books out there, Jared, don't you? I do. I uh, have a guidebook to Underground Las Vegas, which shows you all the um, uh, naughty and nice places to explore in Las Vegas. Uh, but it's, you know... I I also love to edit fiction anthologies, uh, the short story collections featuring writers uh, who either live in Las Vegas or have a, um, a history uh, with the city. And I have, find that to be very uh, rewarding. I have a book called Las Vegas Noir, which collects um, crime stories set in different parts of the valley. And then I have a what I call a near future or future shock collection of stories called Dead Neon Tales from Near Future Las Vegas. 
and that's a, a, a pretty fun ride of different authors with different takes on what uh, it means to be in a city that's always on the bleeding edge of technology. There's always uh, something new and innovative happening here, something a little bit frightening, and um, that's just uh, been a lot of fun. I had an intern a couple of years ago at the, the program whose grandfather started the Flamingo Hotel and sold out to Bugsy Siegel and the group. Isn't that oh, wow. incredible? <laughs> Talk about history. <laughs> well, Vegas, you know, it's always been uh, this delightful playground uh, for the military and for organized crime. And so it gives it a, a real colorful uh, history that's hard to deny, hard to resist. And when I found out that I was moving to Las Vegas from Florida 22 years ago, uh, I couldn't wait. I got I got right into the spirit of things. I think I uh, immediately purchased a VHS tape of, uh, you know, recordings of the um, uh, atomic bomb explosions at the test site that occurred mm-hmm. from the 50s all the way to the underground testing of the of the 90s. That was a, a lot of fun to watch because you can see that uh, you know that it's just a the, the military and the the government they view Las Vegas they view the Southwest as a as just a you know a testing ground to experiment with new weapons and um, I found that to be very intriguing very disturbing and uh, a lot of fun to write about. Let's go to the phones, Cornelius in Alexandria, Louisiana. Hello there, Mr. White. Hey there, George and Jared. Boy, I'm really enjoying this show. Jared, you must be about my age. I'm 62 years old, so I'm just getting my Social Security check, and they're trying to force me to um, put it in electronically, but they said I can get a check, so uh, they're going to force us into some things. Jared, they call me the God Guns and Gold Man, the Bible Bullets and Beans Man. If you read Revelation, we're heading straight down the track. Now, we can slow it down a little bit, but... It'll be just like the board. Resistance will be futile. So my question for you and the young folks in the audience, because I heard a 20-year-old call into the show yesterday, Uh that they need to be aware that uh, Biden has these books out, and he signed this thing saying we're going to a digital dollar, which will be total control. So I don't know if you heard about that yet. And, of course, George has been bringing out about the BRICS nation, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa setting up their own super currency. So I see in the next two to five to ten years, there'll be a total control thing where we'll have the mark of the beast and everything. And, like I said, resistance will be futile. But I appreciate what you said about the Terminator and all these different movies, because we're heading straight down that way. But I'm so going to read this as long as I can. Thank you, George and Jared. God bless Coast to Coast AM. What do you think of that, Jared? Well, unfortunately, I believe he's correct. It's 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 strange to, uh, like I said, have grown up watching a movie like Terminator and then witness the government, the military-industrial complex just spiraling out of control and, in fact, you know, replicating something that we've seen, uh, you know, in a sci-fi horror film. <laughs> it's, very, it's very troubling, and uh, I don't know. I don't think resistance is futile, though. I think uh, there is a resistance in the Terminator film and, um, you know, in the form of John Connor 
his mother, uh, Sarah Connor. Yep. And I do think that humanity will find a way to uh, take on and thwart, you know, the uh, the power freaks, the control freaks. But that's exactly what's happening with, uh, you know, the digital dollar and all this uh, all this nonsense. Uh, it, it has to be uh, deconstructed. It has to be dismantled. There's, that's the only way uh, humanity will be able to survive. You can't. We don't want this to turn into, uh, you know, the uh, final half hour of Wall-E. That uh, Pixar film where uh, everybody's uh, you know living on a spaceship and and controlled and manipulated and uh, you know helpless. Um, it, it won't come to that. It can't come to that. And the the hero of my novel, Lash, uh, she she says uh, it won't happen. And uh, she's true to her word. She she does in fact succeed in thwarting the uh, the, the power mob. So you think in the long run we're going to win? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't. I don't think the world will end. I think uh, there will be, uh, you know, as I put in the book, you know, horrific battles. But I think in the end, uh, flesh and blood will always uh, triumph. There's just, uh, you know, there's no way that um, you know Oz will continue to um, to function like that. There has to be. Uh, a moment where people come to their senses and understand that to submit is to to die. And uh, people don't want to die. They want to live. They want to thrive. They want to have families. They want to they want to have jobs. They want to have um, they want to enjoy life. And the way to enjoy things is to fight for them. Let's go to Lou in Hawaii. First time caller. Hello, Lou. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. I appreciate your taking my call. I'm a long-time listener, also first-time caller. What island are you on? On Oahu. Okay, that's a nice one. Go ahead, Lou. Yeah. Um, well, I was uh, listening to all the uh, comments about luck, and I've always had a very simplistic view of it, and it's just simply preparation meeting opportunity. And it's just seems that you, when you hear people talking about they have good luck and bad luck, sometimes it's just that they weren't prepared when the opportunity came. Well, that's so true. And you come from a city, uh, Jarrett, that luck is very important. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's just amazing to have been here at a time when, um, you know, a pandemic struck and uh, the strip went dark, maybe for the first time in its history. And I never thought the city would bounce back. And it's true that, uh, you know, in, in terms of employment numbers, it's, it's still struggling a bit. But um, Vegas is back. And I didn't think it would be having ridden with my family on our bicycles d- down the closed Las Vegas Strip and from one end to the uh, to the other, uh, you know, no cars, no no people. It was something right out of a uh, well, a post-apocalyptic uh, film. It's Orwellian. Very, very. And then here we are, years later, and the the place is packed. Occupancy is you know ninety percent in many of these hotels on a, on a Monday, Tuesday night, and it's um, it's uh, amazing to uh, see a city like this bounce back. And you've got an amazing Formula One race coming up there in November, where they're reconstructing uh, some of the strip, aren't they? 
you have to come. You have to come here and check it out. It's amazing to witness the, the yeah, the fierce construction that's taking place in order to prepare for this uh, event. Uh, it's it's outstanding. And also, they unveiled something called the Sphere, which I don't know if you read about, but the band U2 is uh, soon going to be performing there. And um, yeah, that's a uh, gorgeous sphere. It's amazing the 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 construction of that. It's uh, it's uh, awe inspiring and. Uh, you know, it, it's really fun, like at night, to go to the edge of the valley and, and look down and, and see this orb glowing, pulsating. <laughs> and uh, you can't help but feel uh, the city is blessed. The city is indeed very lucky. Let's go to Gary in Kansas City, Missouri. Gary, welcome to the program. Yes, um, I just had to call in because I witnessed a few weeks ago crop dusting with a drone. It's huge. Oh, my it's gosh. Like they said. And you can't hear it once it gets past a certain point and it comes back it's all computerized i got pictures of it it was really neat it carries about 10 gallons or a little more and they every time they bring it back they set it down put a fresh battery in those batteries are pretty big and then they send it off again so it it's um better than a crop dusting plane because it comes down lower and it's precise computerized how they do the land it's unreal and then i was wondering if your guest um Ever heard of anything called the mosquito? They, um, that was some military thing they had the size of your fist back 20-some years ago. And that thing is unreal, too. i never seen one, but I knew what they were. Um, so, yeah, this thing with uh, crop dusting, they feel that will be the wave of the future instead of rolling over the crops, you know. So it was something else to see. I mean, just to see that huge thing. Um, <laughs> flying around, and like you say, you don't hear them till they're right up on you. True. Did you ever hear the mosquito drone, uh, Jarrett? I have, and they've gotten smaller than the uh, fist-sized drones, of course. Uh, every year they get smaller, quieter, more. Uh, they have more charge in their batteries, and, um, yeah, there's a, quite a bit of that technology in my novel, Hammer of the Dogs. There's even something called a flybot that lash pops into her ear, you know, so she can uh, communicate with uh, one of the warlords at, uh, you know, at, at, the, at any moment. But what's really uh, interesting about the crop dusting drone is that um, um, th- these are the kinds of, uh, um, this is the kind of technology that's used uh, by the drone tech industry to uh, to convince us that drones are helpful, you know, they're harmless, they're going to help us grow crops, and they're going to... Um, you know, do conduct repairs in places that uh, humans, uh, you know, can't reach, and they're going to provide safety. But uh, again, I'm when when I hear the word crop dusting, I I think, well, you know, it's just a small extrapolation to uh, to wonder what they might, uh, you know, dust people with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always looking at the military application. We're talking with Jared Keene. His latest book is called Hammer of the Dogs. Have you had any options for this for a movie? Yes, I've had a few uh, producers reach out for um, you know, copies you. of the book, which, which I've, sent, I've sent their way, shipped to them. But, um, you know, I wrote it as a, um, as a novel, as a, uh, as a pulp adventure, and uh, I would love to see it adapted into other media, comic books, etc., but... You know, I, I really love uh, the written word. Uh, I am an English professor, after all, and to me it's um, just the greatest uh, honor and pleasure to bring a story like this out in the in the format that it's in. You know, it's a, it's a paperback 
the cover, uh, as I said, is a, a tribute to uh, those old Frank Frazetta Conan um, covers, novels from yeah, uh, back in the 70s. And so I see it as a as a nod, as a tribute to that uh, era of, um, you know, mass media paperback. Oh, Lash looks like a female Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. <laughs> I was she was designed in the in you know in the tradition of like I said Sarah Sarah Connor from uh Terminator and Ellen Ripley from uh Aliens. So yeah, she's got some uh, she's got some triceps there and uh you know uh that's because she's got to carry a lot of heavy uh, weaponry to fight these drones. We're going to take calls next hour with Jared Keene as well, so if you don't get on this half hour, don't worry. We got an hour of calls going through. We're talking about his book, Hammer of the Gods. The website I have for you is through the university. Is that what you have, Jarrett? Sure, but an even better place is jarrettkeen.net, and that's J-A-R-R-E-T-K-E-E-N-E.net. Great. I'll make sure our man Wilex has it uh, linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com to be sure. This is truly amazing. How did you get the idea to do this, on to do, to do an action novel based on technology? Well, um, you know, of course, I was uh, very much interested in the um, inauguration of uh, President Obama uh, and, you know, very um, inspired by that moment, only to find out, of course, that, um, you know, shortly after his inauguration that he was already busy conducting a drone war. And, um, you know, famous article uh, published in The Intercept that, you know, 90 percent of uh, uh, the casualties conducted by this drone war were not, in fact, terrorists. This was very disturbing to me. And then around the same time, uh, these drone tech conventions started popping up in Las Vegas. And I hadn't, uh, you know, I was drawn to this. I was like, how how far have we have we gone with this uh, with this kind of uh, incredible weaponry? And uh, I tell you what, it was just uh, really amazing to see all these robots already, you know, they were autonomous already, uh, but, you know, in 2012, you would see robots crawling around the the convention floor. Um, they were not armed, of course, but I don't know, they made me, uh, They were, I found it deeply unsettling, and I wanted to explore this uh, nightmare scenario, but I wanted it to be an adventure in which the, the good guys win, you know, this is not a, um, a dark and... Uh, uh, depraved tale. This is, yeah, uh, we want the good guys to win. We want them to win. Jarrett, we're going to take a short break and come back and take an hour more of calls with you next.